Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. What's up, and welcome to the Demon Slayer After Show. We're talking episode five and six today, and we have a very special guest in the house. We got Sean Chiplock. Welcome. Hey. <laughs> Oh, man, I am so excited to talk about this show for various reasons. One, even before I had the chance to watch it, I was well aware of just how beautiful the animation was. Like, any time that you've got a production company that's ready to spend an entire 30 seconds showing a three-second sword swing, you know there's good stuff ahead. (laughs) So the the passion shows both in the show production and in the fan base surrounding it. Wait, yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Um, we're also going to have a little bit of news at the end in our special segment. Uh, but first we're going to go around and introduce the rest of the panel. My name is Carrie Lane, joined by my awesome co-host, Ollie. Say hello. Hi. <laughs> or, sorry. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> you can say whatever you want. And Veronica. <laughs> hey, everyone. Yay. Um, we do have a live chat going, so if you're watching this live, join us in the live chat. Have your questions ready for our guests. If you're watching it later, no worries. Please comment down below. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. All right. Um, then also for viewers, Ollie is brand new to the show, so it's exciting to hear your firsthand opinions. Uh, Veronica got about like halfway, and then I've seen it. Um, but Ollie, I want to hear your thoughts first on what did you think of episodes five and six? Uh, I wanted more. Like, that's what I feel like this is a, such a great anime because I'm watching it. If no one knows, I'm watching it week by week. So I only watch two episodes a week. So I just want to like binge it. And I never binge things, but it's such a great experience. And like, even like Nezuko, like we're trying to turn it back to a human. No, she's so cute as a demon. Like I love her as a demon or whatever she is, or half demon, whatever. She has a soul. And it's, I really am just so invested in kind of like uncovering more of these characters and delving into, you know, them becoming demon slayers or, whatever they want to become. So I just, I'm loving these two episodes for sure. Nice. And Veronica, how was it revisiting these? It was really good. I feel like this, these two episodes started to really present the danger that lies in this series, because obviously, you know, uh, Tanjiro is going through his final selection. They have to stay alive. There's so many demons out to get them. And then obviously when he does become a demon slayer, he has to face the demons that are out there causing, um, issues from everybody so these episodes definitely presented the real danger of the series i think yes they definitely get a lot darker because it was like our intro and now we're getting in kind of the meat of it it's episode five my own steel we start right where we left off on the previous episode where the hand demon the fight and we get a bit of his backstory holly what did you think getting a backstory on a demon uh this demon in particular (laughs) kill him <laughs> like just, and he's eaten like 50 people like 13 of which were uh you know student past students so uh, yeah. but it is interesting i think it's also it's 
to give character development to Tanjiro, but also like no matter what, these demons were humans at once or like before. So I think that's like kind of like my takeaway, like no matter what, these demons are evil, we have to kill them um, or slay them, sorry. But at the end of the day, they are still human inside. And I think that also says a lot about Nezuko. Like, she's a demon, but she has, like, a soul. It's like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I don't know if you guys watch that. But Mm. vampires, like, some vampires have souls. If they don't, then they're evil and they try to kill humans. So uh, lots of thoughts for sure, definitely. But it's really interesting and kind of, like, just everyone has a story at the end of the day, especially with demons in particular. Nice. Then, Sean, you play a demon, which will be in episode six, which we'll get to. But what for you, like, watching this show and getting backstory on demons, how is that as, like, a fan anime going, here's backstory on these evil characters? So, as someone who, uh, you know, I'm, I'm about to... As someone who's been watching Toonami for at least <laughs> over a decade at this point, um, and this isn't meant to... I'm trying to think of how to word it. You see, you recognize a lot of, of similarities between these types of shows that both allows you to find that familiarity that you enjoy while also seeing what the show presents that di- that's different. So um, as you know, you know, Demon Slayer being a shonen can be tied to other shows such as Hunter Hunter, you know, Bleach. Uh, I'm trying to think of another good example, um, you know, even Naruto and One Piece. And there's this core of once we understand the capabilities of the hero, we have to see how they will react to different situations. And then, and a lot of people try to, to boil that down to, oh, it's the villain of the week. No, it's not. Because if the hero can just use the same tactic every single time, then it becomes villain of the week. It's like, oh no, there's a danger. Okay, I've taken care of it. Um, so like you said, it's really interesting how uh, these, this episode, especially episode five, helps to kind of present that there is an actual threat to each of these demons. It's not going to be the same thing every single time. Um, and I, I enjoy how it mixes that, uh, it mixes the tension of the environment and with the threat that they face with, as I mentioned before, the beauty of the animation, it provides something for really everyone to enjoy. You know, if you're a fan of the action, then you can, you can, uh, enjoy figuring out how Tanjiro is able to overcome the trial ahead of him. I don't know if any of you are familiar with a manga series called, um, Jing King of Bandits by any chance. No. Just no, without getting too off tangent, it was it, the whole crux of it was that Jing himself was not very powerful, but he used trickery and sly uh, uh, moves in order to overcome his enemies. And I, I see a lot of that reflected here, where Tanjiro isn't able to just whirl out powerful attacks. He has to create the opening first. And this is where we start to see how he's going to have to apply that thought process. Excellent observation. Thank you. I was like, oh, so in-depth. I love it. Um, <laughs> We also get that moment, we get er, a little bit of Urokodaki's backstory, which was really cool because we knew a little bit about him, but this was nice to see his backstory of how this kind of went down. And yeah, the moment that I was like, I don't know why I'm sad over this, but when Tendra holds the demon's hand and then like prays for him, I just thought that was so sweet because, which we'll see a little bit later and we've seen a little bit already, demon slayers don't care about demons. They will kill them. They have no real hesitation whatsoever. So for Tendra to be this person who is going to have the compassion to hold a hand, like that seems like a simple gesture, but it, it was profound for that demon when he died. Um, so I was like, anybody else get emotional? I feel like for Tanjiro, it's so different being a demon slayer. And obviously everyone kind of gets that feeling too, every other demon slayer that he's been around. 
but I feel like this moment really showed, like you were saying, Carrie, just how compassionate of a person he is. And we really see that in his character. And I think for him, the fact that Nezco is a demon, he's able to look beyond kind of the monster that everyone else sees and is able to see the soul, which is someone who's very tortured on the inside. Obviously, like Nezco is having to fight with all of her might to try and hold back her urges from wanting to devour people, which is what a demon does. So again, Tanjiro is just very compassionate that maybe it's because of his compassionate side, but also being able to see Nezco that he's like, demons aren't all monsters. And I don't think other demon slayers have had that opportunity. I'm so glad that you brought that up. Specifically the point you brought up about how he's able to see, you know, the human side or at least be uh, empathetic towards demons. Particularly the point where you brought up, you know, without spoiling events of later episodes, you know, we do see cases where humans are turned into demons. Like you just mentioned, Nezuko is a human who was basically turned into a demon. So Tanjiro is able to recognize that just because I am defeating this demon now doesn't necessarily mean they weren't once human or possibly even a benevolent demon. That wasn't just pure evil. Something might have happened that caused them to act this way. And you can't just discredit and say, oh, you were always evil. You were always bad. You don't deserve to be, you know, on this planet anymore. Um, and there's a lot of reflections in that, both in Japanese culture, and that can even be tied somewhat to Native American culture. When we think of, you know, how some Native American cultures respect the hunt, you know, they only hunt for necessity. And just because they have to kill for food doesn't mean they don't feel bad about the fact that they're taking an animal's life away. And even in some aspects of Japanese culture, demons are not treated as blights upon the land. It is part of the existence of the world there are there are good and and playful demons and there are evil and nasty demons and then there's stories about how this demon is only created when someone died under certain unfair circumstances and now they haunt the world so i i think it's really important that it shows that aspect of demons can be bad but that doesn't mean they've always been bad and that allows tanjiro uh, uh tanjiro the chance to show his human side and recognizing that He's doing what he needs to do, but he doesn't have to revel in it in the process. That's a good point. Because then at the end also, with that moment, he has a like a farewell to Sabito and mm. Makomo and says like, okay, they can rest and go back. Yes. And essentially like that is his way to move on. Uh, and then speaking of moving on, we move on to the next round. All right, Ollie, what did you think that only four of at least 20 of the applicants survived? Wait, what? Um, so when they, they've, they've survived the seven days, um, uh, and then they go to the swords, and, yeah, no, no, uh, and there's, there were Kendra comments like, this, this is it? There's about four people. Yeah. Did you know the significance of four people surviving? It means death. Well, four shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. It was interesting. Uh, it was definitely interesting. Uh, they, well, was... like... Oh, Veronica, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, once again, I feel like it's showing the true danger that it is to be a demon slayer. And, you know, kind of, Sean, like you were saying how this is a shonen and you can kind of look to other shonen when it comes to, you know, a hero's journey or something like that. In this particular case, you can almost kind of compare it to uh, Attack on Titan that shows really just the danger that these people are putting their lives at risk for and the fact that not everyone is going to come out alive even if it's a character you spent you know like many episodes getting to love no one's safe so yeah 
Um, actually, and then fun thing, I don't know if you all have noticed, uh, the other student, or I mean, they're not students yet, but essentially, the one who has the mohawk, shout out to Zeno, he voices that character. So oh, I was yeah. like, oh, hey, oh. yeah. Previous guest on My Hero Academia after show, if you didn't know <laughs> that one. Uh, so yeah, they get the swords, or I'm sorry, they have to pick the ore for the swords and get their uniforms. Uh, I think it's adorable that they all get a crow and one of them gets the sparrow. <laughs> it was like <laughs> a nice levity of all this seriousness. Uh, all right, Ollie, what do you think of this mystery man? So we have, they get that, and then we have this mystery man who's like, my children, I have more of them. Uh, and we don't know anything about him. Do you have any thoughts on this mystery character? I thought it was creepy. I don't know. The, the end of this episode was uh, interesting and kind of like um, those creepy twins. Remember those twins? Mm-hmm. The one with the black hair, the one with the white hair, the creepy with the creepy eyes. And then <laughs> one of the well, homeboy grabs one of them. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> it was a mess. I, I, I felt really, I felt bad for that twin. If that is a huge, I don't know. They're really creepy, but. I think it's just kind of, I love that it's just kind of giving us like a little tidbits, like seeds. They're planting seeds for future episodes. So it's like something to look out on. Maybe I'll save that for more prediction wise. But um, yeah, it's really, it's really, I think this anime, the storytelling of it, it's just doing a really good job of keeping the viewer engaged and wanting to know more backstory, more for long. I can't even talk right now, but what I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Next yeah, no, question. I got you. Yeah, no. <laughs> just like yeah. it makes you, it just makes you want more. And I know as a yeah. viewer, first time watching this, I want to know more about this, the story and kind of like the lore. Cause I think Veronica talks about it a lot about how it's really does a great job of world building in this anime. And I think that's, that's a good, good point that it did right there in that episode. Yeah. Uh, and then Veronica, what do you think? So Tanjiro goes home. Nezuko's awake, and I know all of you were like, wait, is she going to wake up? And they get that big group hug. Uh-huh. It's sweet. That, it, <laughs> it was such a sweet moment because obviously we know why Tanjiro is fighting. And for that mo- that reunion moment, was just it was very sweet. It was very touching because at the same time, it was a reunion for everyone. It was obviously a reunion for Tanjiro and Nezuko. It was also a reunion for Urukodake and, you know, Tanjiro because Urukodake sent Tanjiro off to the final selection, not knowing if he would even survive. And obviously he expressed his hesitation to sending him to begin with. So it was a very sweet reunion of like, okay, we're all here. We made it to the next steps. We'll figure out the next steps together kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, and then the tears. Sean, what do you think of that reunion? So they finally get back together and Nezuko's awake. She's been asleep for a couple of years, you know. Ten, ten years ago, I wouldn't have batted an eye, but now I'm the person <laughs> who, when he goes to movies with his wife, we have we have like bets on which one of us is going to break down crying first. So any t- time there's a genuine heartfelt like sense of family or community or like people who are really close to each other, like hug each other and they're like, I'm so happy. I'm just like, <laughs> okay, all right. So <laughs> yeah, I survived. Like- I made it, but... Not flawlessly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, well, oh. quarantine just kind of intensifies that too. Like, be, like I feel like personally as an oh. audience, 
whatever. I feel more emotional watching things now. I'm like, oh my God. You're like, oh, that's right. Hugs are are nice. I miss when I could get hugs. I miss hugs. When can I get hugs? I know you're seeing all these demons. You should like, I feel like these characters need a social distance from these demons, but I digress. Who am I? I don't know. I don't know anything going on anymore. Tanjiro Tanjiro literally pokes his blade. You see this blade? It's six feet long. You need to be at the end of it. Uh, we got Chandler in the chat says Nezuko kicking down the door and Urukodaki dropping the wood, <laughs> dropping the wood and rushing to hug Chandro. Sad face and a heart. Yes, those tears streaming down Chandro's face. I was like, it's just animated, but I feel so much. Mm-hmm. Um, then this is also when we get that moment we've been talking about the world building of this show. So earlier we got the different levels for the demon slayers and then at this moment urukodaki talks to tanjiro the different types of demons uh doesn't go super into detail but we learn first about the blood demon art and that they have supernatural abilities so it's one of those like foreshadowing <laughs> of information and then we also get the confirmation all right nezuko has to sleep because she's not eating human beings that is her way to replenish and that's why it does take longer so i was like all right, I like that logic. It makes sense. Uh, then we get a little bit of time later because now it's the sword. All right, we get that fun new character and another fun mask. Ollie, what do you think of this dude popping up when bringing the sword? He has like the clown little funny mouth thing going on. It's interesting. I don't, I don't know what, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't, it's interesting just kind of like seeing all these masks and like mm-hmm. it, it maybe like kind of, I need to like study these masks or because I feel like these masks kind of like symbolize a character and who they are possibly. So I feel like mm-hmm. I need to start like as a viewer, now that you mentioned, it, I'm like, I should really like kind of. That there's like a, a cultural story behind that yeah. mask. And if you, if you knew the story or the cultural tale, then you'd instantly understand what that character's going to do or what they're going to do. Right. But it's interesting. It's so interesting. Yeah. Veronica, what did you think of the character? It's uh, Haganezuka. He was definitely a character. I mean, yeah. that's, honestly, like upon first impressions, it's kind of the best way to describe him because, you know, so far we've seen a lot of kind of serious type characters who, you know, like with the Rukodake, he's obviously very serious and, but he's also very caring. This guy comes in and he just brings like a different type of energy that we have yet to see on this show. Mm. So it was just very funny watching him. And also you can tell he's someone that has obviously been working with, um like craftsmanship and you know creating these blades for a long time that he has a lot of knowledge and he has a lot of knowledge of like the person who's paired with the sword so it was just interesting to watch him yeah oh he's so comedic and then we get the moment where we get the sword (laughs) it turns pitch black which is not often seen and he's so it's like funny that he's disappointed he's like i wanted a red one and it's a mood ring. Like, <laughs> these swords are mood rings is basically what it is. I like it. Uh, and then what did you both think of the bird talks and it arrives with message of where they go to next? Ollie, what do you think of that? Birds talking? Um, <laughs> it's a <laughs> sign. <laughs> I don't know. Birds creep me out. So personally, I was like, uh, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I might be a little biased as Rivali and Teva. I I'm not too or I'm not surprised by the idea of birds talking, but that's just me. Uh, 
Ooh. All right, so we got Pearl in the chat says the mask the character is wearing is called a Hyotoko mask. It symbol it symbolizes as a comedy mask. Mm. Thank well. you. That makes sense for that character <laughs> of being yeah. comedic and has their own reasons maybe of why they want that kind of a mask, but it is very amusing for us, the viewer. Uh, then that leads us into episode six. Uh, the swordsman accompanying, accompanying, I can talk, a demon. Yeah, I thought the crow talking, which led us into it of like, your message, this is what you need to do, was so funny and weird. To kind of of go back on that point, Carrie, about the talking bird, I really liked that because as I mentioned last week, we're not living in a world where people are like, where demon slayers are supported by the government or, you know, people live in a society where they say mom dad when I grew up that's what I want to be like a lot of these mm-hmm. other shonens you know I want to grow up and I want to be a ninja I want to be a pro hero I want to be you know part of the core like the demon slayer core and all that kind of stuff so the fact that this bird is saying oh this is where you need to go next was a nice insight into how they go about their day-to-day routine because we don't know how they go off and try and fight demons you know it's not like they're just set up shop somewhere and just, you know, defend a village. They have to go out and these crows are basically their information as to where they need to go next. You know, they can't just check their email or text message. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he gets his fun or fun. Well, really cool uniform. It says destroy on the back, which is neat. The uniform, we got, uh, it's strong. It can be withstand a lower level demons like bite or scratch which is really cool and smart but it's uh you know it's nice and sturdy and he gets the new box that Nezuko, Ne Nezuko <laughs> can go in and travel with which is so fun and that's like the main thing you see him with uh so then they're gonna go to this new town and they find out Satoko has been taken and he meets um Kazumi and again we get back to our sniffing and I thought it was hilarious that he literally is sniffing out the trail. Veronica, <laughs> think of that, of Kendra literally like sniffing out I'm the just way. getting mad. I'm just getting mad in Yasha vibes. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what I'm thinking. Ollie, what do you think of that, of that's how his way of tracking a demon? I just like seeing the animation and kind of like how this the smells are animated and it's like this red mist like flowing it looks like blood it kind of creeps me out but I'm also here for it at the same time but also can we just talk about how Nezuko like we never see her like shrink like it was interesting how they showed it like they it was like it was she was like naked or something but she wasn't but the way when she shrunk down into the box we didn't it's interesting that we don't see her shrink and I don't know if that's like intentional maybe animation wise I don't know but it's I don't know if anyone else that like stood out to anyone else but I noticed she's adorable I I love her so much no she's super cute I did notice the not necessarily how she got in the box but like we see the box like perspective looking at Tendro but we do not turn around and see his perspective which you normally would right Uh, I definitely did notice that we will see her later in a more petite size which Uh-oh. Is- <gasps> um, Chibi yeah. Nezco. Yeah. We have to, we have to be careful. The smaller she gets, the cuter she gets. And if she gets <laughs> yeah. too small, the cuteness overload could cause actual <laughs> destruction. Right. Uh, I'm concerned for that. Pocket size is always like the cutest thing. It's like, oh. No, no. If she, if she got <laughs> that small, just making physical contact would cause a heart attack. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> 
when this was airing, uh, when, or when it was first coming out, this was around the same time as Baby Yoda, and there were a lot of memes of the two of them being compared, and it's like, <laughs> cuteness overload. All right, so sniffing Western, out the trip. Western chibi versus Eastern chibi. <laughs> All right. Much. <laughs> now, Sean, why does your demon character have to leave this scent trail everywhere? What did you think of that as kind of the first glimpses of your character? I does I forget, does Tanjiro comment on what it smells like or does he just say it smells like demon? I, he smells it, I think, as it smells like a demon. He smells blood. I don't think he says anything too specific. Okay. I mean, it's in this case, it kind of fits because since this is a demon that, and we'll be talking about the episode, so this isn't really spoilers, but since this is a demon that travels through uh, the medium of liquid, you know, it would make sense that if he was particularly uh, nonchalant about how he travels and not taking care to cover up his tracks, traveling through liquid is going to leave some scent in that moisture. You know, the moisture is either on the ground, it evaporates into the air. As far as leaving a scent trail goes, that's probably one of the more obvious ways that he could leave his scent behind. So I'm not surprised at all that Tanjiro was able to pick up on that, especially when we learn more about the demon and we find out that he's not all in full control of himself. You know, he, part of him is just this hyper instinctual, aggressive, you know, just wants to do his own thing and doesn't care otherwise. It, it makes perfect sense that that side would probably not care at all about, hey, maybe I shouldn't make it really easy for someone who wants to destroy me to track where I'm going. So. <laughs> also, wouldn't we say at this point, there are demon slayers, but not that many, that I bet most demons don't, fear for their life the way because humans don't really know they exist 100 percent, and there's not that many demon slayers that they need to worry about like it's fine right they almost they almost certainly take them seriously they just assume that they have enough of an upper hand that they think oh only the oblivious demons get annihilated like yes there's people out there that can kill mm -hmm. us so i'll just make sure i know what i'm doing I'll make sure that I'm ca I know how capable my skills are. Maybe we'll just work together so that we can take them down. What ultimately leads to their demise is underestimation. So yeah, yeah I agree with what you say there. They're aware, they just aren't taking it seriously enough. But they're not, they're no. not completely going, oh, whatever, I don't have to think about that. <laughs> well, a very timely joke from the chat. Pearl Joseph says, Sean's character forgot to wash his hands. That's how you know he's evil. That's how you know, it's like Lex Luthor. How do I know you're evil? I didn't wash my hands. Oh, you monster. <laughs> exactly. And so much such a monster that he takes another girl. And it's this weird, yeah, we don't, this is our first kind of instant as a viewer. It's like water, it's a puddle. It's a little unclear. And you're like, what is going on? But of course, Tantra springs into action and knows something's going on. Um, and then I, I've seen it now, Sean, how do, would you call your character? I've seen it listed as a bog demon and a swamp demon. What do you I, I've, all, I've seen it as a bog demon. Maybe okay. it's been listed as demon in, demon in the swamp, but I've seen it as demon in the bog just as often. So my personal uh, belief is it's bog demon. Uh, what is up with the teeth grinding? <laughs> all right. 
this is going to seem really <laughs> obvious. This is going to seem really obvious, but since I've been on this whole cultural psychological kick, mm-hmm. I believe that this demon is the representation of the id, ego, and superego in demonic mm-hmm. form. And it, it fits all three because the id, ego, and superego represent instinctual uh, instincts, reality, and morality. And I know for sure we saw two of the three. We had mm-hmm. obviously the very teeth grindy, you know, aggressive. That's obviously the id, the aggressive primal instincts. We had the side that was trying to tell the other the other guy, hey, you know, hold off, you know, don't be aggressive. There's we'll take care of this the way we need to take care of this. That's the morality side. Um, and I'm trying to remember how I how I told the difference between the ego and the super ego, but it's it as soon as it happened, I was like, that's that's where it is. We got three demons, we've got three sides of of the personal ID. Um, if I wanted to go even deeper into that, I could say that it was like trying to force Tanjiro to come to terms with his own versions of that. Like I have to let the, the morality um, uh, take charge over the part of me that wants to destroy demons that are hurting people. Like you said, with the empathy that he has to show as a human, his reality, his ego. Um, but that's, that's immediately what came to mind as soon as I saw the character was it's three sides of the same coin. It's not three separate demons. It's just someone who's powerful enough to split himself into physical manifestations of each of those those parts. Yeah, uh, Sean, I really, really like your analysis because uh, believe me, I did not put any of that together. So thank you for bringing that to the table. Uh, just a question too, since obviously this demon is very different from the previous demons that we have seen um, and our earlier analysis, I kind of brought up the lore of demons of how, oh, these <laughs> demons can't survive in the sunlight, which typically kind of, you know, are, are like, that's that's why they cast me, by the way, is because they knew I could identify with never going outside <laughs> while the sun was out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so wait, we're, oh, sorry, so I interrupted you. What were you saying? Oh, no, you're good. You're good. No, I was going to say, so, you know, they can't go out in the sun, which, you know, typically is relatable to vampires, but they eat humans, which is relatable to ghoul lore. So I just kind of want to get your idea on the, like, what you think the lore of the these demons in this universe is, because it's very spread out from what we've seen so far. This might kind of fall into uh, uh, prediction territory because, you know, I I know a lot about the episodes where my character shows up, but I'm still trying to catch up on the later episodes. I, I have no idea what the intent of the creator is, but I feel like if I had to throw a guess out there, um, there's a very common trope in literature when it comes to monsters or demons or something is that the reason why these demons or monsters attack humans or try to take something from humans is because there's something that humans have that the monsters and demons don't. And they, they envy that they covet it. They want to keep it. Um, touching on stuff like uh, uh, Shin Megami Tensei in persona, a running theme there is the gods try to control humans because they're mad about the fact that humans have free will and that they can chart their own course of action. And so they're like, I'm going to prevent you from doing that because that's the only thing that makes you more powerful than me and allows you to stop me in the first place. So I almost imagine that there's this aspect, you know, demons might envy the fact that humans can go out in the sunlight. Um, Maybe not all demons enjoy the fact that they have to feast on on human blood. Just because they eat that doesn't mean they enjoy the taste. I mean, some of them say they do. They're like, haha, I live for it. But I don't want to say, you know, that applies to everyone in general. Um, But that's my first instinct is that it ties back to, it's a little bit selfish, but it ties back to the whole mysticism and uniqueness among human beings and how we came to be. And that there will always be creatures that, that envy 
the, uh, the, the things that we have, whether it's our intelligence or our mobility or our scientific advancements, and they want that for themselves. And what they can't have, they, they try to take by force. I like that. That was very, I mean, that was very complex and out there, and I apologize if it, it, no, it didn't make much sense. It's good. It's a, it's, no, it's yeah. a, it's like I'm learning new things through other people's like perceptions and and viewpoints because I feel like look that gives me a new like critical lens to look through while watching the show now and other mm-hmm. shows with demons or whatever antagonists that they have to go up against. It's like it's like obviously I li- I even like that like maybe they don't even like eating humans. It's like oh I miss fried chicken, <laughs> you know. So right. it's it's really interesting to kind of like delve into that. So, right. With new interpretations. Uh, and then quick question, or and then a comment leads into a question. Chandler in the chat says those teeth. Now, um, then my question was for the recording of it. Did you actually do any sort of oh, yes. particular? Oh, yes. And there was no repeated chat because I know that sometimes for like extended sound effects that they will like record it once or twice and then kind of Frankenstein copies of it um, in order to help it fill the time. But if there was a 30 second string where it was just that demon mm. going. <laughs> I did that. I did it the entire length of oh. time. Um, and oh. by the way, by the way, oh. for those of you who are interested in getting into voiceover, um, there is the standard is doing two takes. And the reason why is for safety purposes, because you never know, maybe something happened during the first take where there was an audio glitch um, or they just saved over it accidentally. So no matter what you do, you will almost always do uh, the same line twice. They'll often, if they got what they wanted the first time, they'll call the second take a safety take. And it's do exactly what you did the first time. We're just recording it a second time in case something happens. So all of those teeth grinding <laughs> moments, every single one of them, I did to picture and I did it twice. Oh, that hurts. Just the teeth, yeah. like physically watching it, the teeth grinding hurts me on the inside. Just the idea of like, ugh. And what's interesting, and this kind of gets into like the technique of voiceover, if I'm allowed to go off on this tangent for a bit, is the sound changes based on where you place it in your mouth. Like it's not just generic, oh, I'm gonna blow air into my mouth. For example, if you do it in the back of your mouth, then a lot of the air gets picked up by the cheeks and it causes them to flap. So you get kind of a wetter, messier sound. I'll, I'll do an example of it right now. So hold on. It kind of sounds like he's like choking on something, you know, like maybe he's got human blood in his mouth. Whereas if you put it towards the front of your mouth, and you push it right around your lips, it goes past the cheeks, you kind of narrow it so that it's not like flapping your gums like this. And it creates a almost a hissier, more focused uh, uh, sound as a result. So I take it from the back and we put it up front. You hear how that's kind of a little bit higher pitched. It's not as yeah. messy. It's a lot cleaner. It's a, it's a lot crisper. So I almost wonder if you go back and watch that episode, if you might hear nuances where um, mm. as the demon, when the the angry part of the demon psyche um, is originally starting to fight, it's nice and clean and crisp, it's focused. But as he gets more desperate, as he gets angrier because he's losing the fight, it becomes messier, it becomes sloppier, it falls to the back of the mouth. And now you've got the <laughs> with the liquid and possibly, you know, the bog water. <laughs> That was awesome. Thank Sean, you. Sean, I really, really appreciate your uh, your analysis on all of this right now because when I was watching this, these episodes, 
I obviously have my own theories that I'm sharing with all of you, but I never once kind of took it the step further you did into really kind of bringing in this like history and kind of cultural aspects. So right. it's really interesting to hear. So thank you for that. I it, honestly, it was, it only developed because it helped me with my performance is because if you understand the character's motive you, or you have to understand the character's motivations before you can say what they're saying and act like you mean it. So if I understood it as, okay, this demon I'm going to treat as like primal instinctive, doesn't he's, he's act first, ask questions later or never at all. Um, and this demon is more composed or he's he's the one that presents himself to Tanjiro. He's the one that he, uh, this is the version he wants Tanjiro to remember. And this third part is the one that's trying to be the moral high ground. He's trying to be like, I'm, I'm sophisticated. You know, I know what I'm doing. I'm not a bad person. That allowed me to give each of them a distinct um, aspect to their voice. So you know, it allowed me to tackle a character who had three different parts but make each of them sound different enough that you weren't confused as to who was saying what line. Um, and I took that same approach into later characters like Guido Mista. You know, I'm not going to go off too far, but he has six bullets and they each have their own personality and being able to give them a distinctive voice based on that personality is how you prevent the audience member from being confused. So it's not just me analyzing. It was me trying to make sure I could do a good job in the booth. Oh, that's great to hear. Thank you. I was. Th thank you, Veronica, for bringing that up because that was going to be my question too. Is um, that how would you make a difference between these different versions of yep. this supposedly same demon? Uh, we also the part I liked of like, uh, just a just a, some, a simple moment, but it was powerful. Sure. The hairpin collection when he shows off all. Oh the yes. Stuff, they're like, oh, there's a so lot. So as much as I mentioned that we have to keep in mind not everyone who is bad wanted to be bad, you got to have those people who just revel in destruction because mm -hmm. there is there are few things in life sweeter than watching someone who revels in being a jerk get their comeuppance. So when you see him take pride and be like, I already hate your brother, you know, you know, and he's like shows off his hairpin collection, like, what are you going to do about it? And Tendra goes this and just you know massacres him everyone at home gets to go thank you jesus i'm so glad i'm so glad he got what was coming to him it feels good man it makes you root for the main character yeah oh, the fight sure. scenes coming up will be very fun we're not quite there that'll be in right. like six and seven Wait, or in seven I have, a, mm. I have a question sorry no it's just like because we've kind of talked about this and how obviously this demon like you're saying sean revels in the chaos and just being pure evil and kind of being selfish and getting whatever they want whereas with nezco and the demon from the final selection that we saw it seems like they you know it's you know they have some sense of humanity in them because they became demons they were previously humans right and i i don't know much about this demon you know moving forward but it seems like i don't know if he was ever a human to begin with which means which might be why he revels in the evil so much because he doesn't have humanity to fall back on right and and that almost that kind of is what gives him the upper edge in part of the fight is at first he's just so overpowering and so over overbearing there's not much human logic or rationale or hesitance that it overwhelms the characters but it's once the characters tap into the human side that they have that he doesn't, that he might covet as a demon, that they are able to overcome him. 
Um, one of the things I, I hearken back to, if any of you are familiar with Dungeons and Dragons, is linear warriors, quadratic wizards, where wizards tend to start out weaker, where warriors are just strong from the get-go, but wizards are able to specialize over time, and they often end up becoming more powerful by the end. They're the slow growers. So at the start of the fight, you've got Nezuko and Tanjiro down here. Demon in the Bog, who's already well aware of his abilities, is up here, but he never changes from there. He's got his routine that he does, and it's working at first. But as Nezuko realizes what she's doing, or Tanjiro realizes what he can do, and they learn and they adapt, they get better and better until they surpass where the demon in the bog is. Demon in the bog can't change because he's demon in the bog. He's not able to learn or, you know, he's not capable of it. And then he gets surpassed. He gets defeated. I like that you brought that moment up too because we get Nezuko for the assist. Oh, it was so good. And it felt amazing to see her be like, I am going to help you out. And the two of them being able to fight together. And we also learned that she's had the hypnotic suggestion from Ukodaki to protect humans ollie what did you think of that almost comedic moment of protect humans demons bad <laughs> yeah i i just think that nezuko is kind of like this enigma character who doesn't obviously she doesn't talk uh aside from like the first episode when she wasn't a demon but you you just love her regardless because she is so you know protective of her brother and she it's just her actions and just the, her, you see her eyes and you feel the emotion through her eyes and this isn't even a human character, but you connect with this character who being animated through their eyes and you just want to root for them. And I'm so excited because she's just so mysterious. You don't know really what's like, how does she fight? You know, like other than her kicks. I love that you're an eyes person. Just (laughs) just in art in general, like when I see a giant piece of artwork depicting a scene, you're like, I'll appreciate all the finer details later. But the first thing I look at is the eyes. If the character's expression can be told through their eyes, Mm. mm, mm, (laughs) mm, it's so good. Especially Especially if those eyes are pink. She's adorable. Yes, Yes, she does have those pretty pink eyes. Well, I was going to say, also then, speaking mysterious, the episode ends with us hearing about Muzan Kubutsuji. There we go. Sorry, I said that a little slower. Probably um, better than I would have said it. (laughs) Who is essentially the first demon, at least thousands of years old, and it's his blood that will change humans to demons. Dun-dun-dun. Uh, so that's where that ends uh, with that episode. We'll hold on for predictions in just a moment, but we're going to do some really fast news because that was the wrap up on those episodes. So we'll do our news. Like our yes. So obviously for anyone who is reading the Demon Slayer manga, the manga actually just finished its run in Shonen Jump magazine, I believe. Um, according to an article put out by Crunchyroll. So the manga at this point is complete and it has so far um, sold 60 million volumes. And obviously like this is a very popular (laughs) series. It, you know, dethroned One Piece as like the top selling manga, uh, which is crazy because One Piece has been up there for a while. And I think this is also one of a really good example of a series because one of the reasons the manga was able to jump up so much was in part to people discovering the anime and the anime then having the audience wanting more, leading them to read the manga, which is, I think, one of the best, one of the things anime is built for. You know, sometimes anime is made to help sell toys and other times it's helped 
to get audiences to enjoy the original property as well. I, as someone, I'm someone who really did, I'm a visual person. I really dislike reading just plain (laughs) text. I, I do my best, but I'm someone who enjoys pictures a lot more. And I have to say, if you enjoy an anime, if that's how you started was from watching the anime, do not think that you would be wasting your time going back and reading the manga as well. Because not only are there cases where the manga has the freedom to explore more that the anime just kind of has to push to the background just because of production times and time limits and stuff like that. But there's this freedom that manga allows where you can absorb moments at your pace. You know, if, if you're watching an anime and something really cool happens, you can rewind it, but it's it's still going to happen at the, at the pace of the animation. Whereas if you're reading a manga and something just really profound is said in a speech bubble or, you know, a, a certain panel happens that the art is just beautiful on, you can pause and reread that graphic as many times as you want. You can soak in that moment of the manga you can read ahead a couple pages and then like go back again and like get better context on something that you read before. I cannot count the number of times that I have uh, originally seen an anime and then gone back and read the manga a couple of years later, just because I wanted to experience the story again and discovered things through the manga that I was like, I forgot about this and, or like gotten more details about something and be like, Oh, I remember this character. I had no idea that they were also like this. Please, please. <laughs> Bless yourself with the background knowledge of the manga if you get the chance. Which you can go check out on biz.com. That's <laughs> like, you've already said the commercial for me. Thank there you. There you go. Uh, <laughs> no, and then if you're also watching the show, new the show, you can check that as well on Crunchyroll. All right. Thank you very much, Veronica. We're going to do some, well, Ollie, we'll let you have a prediction because we'll, a couple of us maybe know a little bit. <laughs> What's maybe one thing, Ollie, that you think is going to happen next episode? Next or episode? Uh, I don't think Nezuko is going to turn back to human. That's my prediction. I, <laughs> I don't, I think she's better the way she is, but that's, I, I would like to think. Maybe I don't think it'll happen, but that's what I would like to happen. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, and then also lightning quick, we have our word of the day. Since we have our bog demon and Tantra fights with water, our word of the day, which we might have covered way back when, but is the word for water, which is mizu. So um, that's M-I-Z-U, mizu. 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 So mizu. I'm going to wait. Maybe it might be an O, but mizu. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you so much, Sean, for joining us. And is there anything that you're working on that you can tease as coming out uh, or anything oh, else? Oh, that's a good about? question. The main thing that's been out that I can talk about is my role as Guido Mista in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Golden Wind. Um, and honestly, that's the best one to recommend because it's been one of the most challenging. I'm literally playing seven different voices in a single show and making them all distinct. Um, and it, it's, I call JoJo's Bizarre Adventure ADHD the anime. So if you're someone who who likes like ridiculous <laughs> pacing and just really outlandish powers um, that somehow make sense, I highly recommend checking out the show. For other stuff that I can't talk about yet, I would recommend checking out my Twitter, which is Sonic Mega, S-O-N-I-C-M-E-G-A. It's where all my announcements happen and there is some really cool stuff, both AAA and very meaningful stuff to me that's coming down the pipeline. And I do giveaways whenever stuff comes out that I voice in. Um, so please consider throwing me a follow. 
Same with my Twitch, same name, Sonic Mega. I stream five days a week. I try to involve the chat. We just finished up with a Pokemon Mystery Dungeon live dub playthrough. Um, and we're going to be doing an Undertale playthrough this coming Saturday. So those are the main ways to reach me. Awesome. And then, Veronica, where can people find you online? Yeah, everyone, you can find me, Veronica Valencia, on Twitter and Instagram at it's me, Veronica underscore V. And Ollie. You guys can follow me at Ollie Dreamer on Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. My name is Carrie Lane. You can find me online at Carrie D. Lane. That's K-A-R-I-D-L-A-N-E. And then it just arrived in the mail. I just bought my shirt from Optical. Ooh, oh, nice. Shirt. I'm like, yes, I'll take a Love picture it. so y'all can see. Uh, so thank you so much for everybody who watched. Join us live. If you're watching this later, please comment down below your thoughts on the episode. And again, huge thank you to our special guest, Sean. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for thank having you. me. It was fun to get to talk about. It's very <laughs> rare that we actually get to like talk about our performance and shows outside of like convention appearances, which we mm-hmm. have to convince them to bring us <laughs> in the first place. So I always enjoy when I get to like talk hype about the stuff that I'm a part of and it helps me give back to the community. So thank you for making the time to reach out to me and, and invite me into your family so that I could share my passion for this. Oh, it's our pleasure. Thank Yay. you. Thank you. Well, then also tune in for next week. we got more guests ahead. Again, thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you all next week. And wash your hands. <laughs> Don't be evil. Wash your hands. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first. We're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal.